0: Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, senior pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland, a church that plants churches, and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this week's message, and we hope that this teaching helps you love God and love people better every day. If you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching.
1: let me just say something. We're going to start a new series today, and it's going to be in the life of Gideon. Gideon is an Old Testament character. We meet him in Judges chapters 6 and 7 is where we are going to be for our study, and we're going to spend five weeks looking at Gideon's life. I want to. I want to set a precedent. I want to set. want to set a set an expectation uh, for what we're going to do here. I think a lot of times in modern, in our modern culture, in our current cultural setting, I think. I think what we are looking for is ways to cope, ways to deal with, ways to live in the brokenness that is our lives. I, I want to suggest that perhaps that's not enough. I want to perhaps, uh, suggest that perhaps that's not uh, the best we can do. I want to suggest that it's possible that maybe we could just overcome. Maybe rather than just coping, we could find deliverance. Maybe rather than just learning to live with our brokenness, we could find healing. Maybe th- I, I want to suggest that that's possible, and I and, and I want to do that from the life of Gideon. Now. Let me say something before we jump into a story, and if you want to go ahead and get ready for that, we're going to be in Judges chapter six. But let me say this before I jump into the story: when we read in the Old Testament, and when we look at um, when we look at stories in the Old Testament, the best way to look at them. I think for application purposes is that we look at them from the vantage point of Israel as an individual. Now now let me explain. Let me explain. If we read it simply as history, it's simply an uh, an interesting historical story and that is true. It's part of Israel Israel's history, it's part of the development of what would be the nation of Israel. We are now at we are now in between the Mosaic times where they are wandering around in the desert from Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy but before the kings of David, Solomon, uh, Saul, David, Solomon were before that we're in between these times there are judges that God raises up during this period under the judges uh Israel truly works as what is known as a theocracy they are they are led by God they do not have a king they do not have a government per se they're led by God and God raises up individuals who deliver them or bring them through difficult times. That's where we're at. And, and we can see this as history, and it's a very interesting history. But what about application? What does that mean in my life? And I think for us to see it that way, we need to see the nation of Israel as an individual. If you could see the nation of Israel as an individual, then everything Gideon is doing is seen as something we are battling or something we are facing internally on our own. So so I want you to do that as we go through this story and as we read this section, I want you to view this as if these were things coming at you internally, emotionally, in your perspective of the world, in your spiritual life. And as we unpack it, I think what we're gonna find is ways to overcome those things in our lives so that we're doing more than just coping. So stay with me. We're in Gideon. I'm sorry. We're in Judges chapter six. Judges chapter six, verse one. It says here, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Let me pause oftentimes the struggles in our lives are things stay with me i know that you're not going to like what i'm about to say but oftentimes the struggle in our lives are things that we have allowed to enter our lives there are things we have invited into our lives the midianites are causing trouble for the israelites because the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. If the Israelites had not done evil in the eyes of the Lord, the Midianites would not have had power to overcome them. Look, look, there's two ways to see this. Did God empower the Midianites because Israel did evil? Well, that's possible because God's more interested in your development spiritually than he is in your comfort physically. So it's very possible God did that. It's also possible that the Israelites, once they were no longer focused on God, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, that they were weakened to the point that they gave authority, to the Midianites that the Midianites did not have before. So you can give spiritual authority to things in your life by simply becoming spiritually weak. Or you you could force God to give spiritual authority to things in your life because he needs to get your attention and you're not paying attention. You see both of those sides? Both of those can work. So that's where we're at. Verse 2. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way from Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Notice this. What is happening is the Midianites, the Amalekites, the eastern peoples, they are invading Israel. Now, they're not invading Israel to take over or to dominate them. Or to, or to somehow run their lives. They're not doing that. The Midianites, the Amalekites, they have no desire to manage or govern the nation of Israel. They are simply there to steal the sustenance of the people of God. I want you to hear me. Spiritually, I, I know we get into this whole Hollywood thing when we talk spiritually, and we want to think in terms of, of, of demon possession, and the demons want to take over your lives. Look, they don't want to govern your life. They just want to steal your capacity to sustain yourself spiritually in a healthy manner. And that's what's happening here. Watch. The Midian so impoverished, verse verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites. Impoverished them. Why, oh, how? By taking their crops, by taking their livestock. Every time. Every time Israel would build up anything, they would come take it. Let, let, let's modernize this. This happens in our lives by, by us failing to understand how the world works. For instance, if, if we go out and we say, the, the world tells you, use your credit card, use your credit card, use your, and if you use your credit card all the time, that's fine. You can buy anything you want. You get anything you want with your credit card, but they're then going to charge you interest. And so what's going to happen is you use your credit card, you get that thing that the world told you you needed, but you know you didn't, but you went and got it anyway with your credit card, then the bank's going to chase you down with with interest. So every month, the bank is now going to raid your sustenance in order to pay the interest they want to charge you, and you're constantly being raided, and what you have tried to save up is is being stolen, not by what you needed now, but by what you purchased earlier. You see that? That's what's going on here. There's this constant rating. Listen, if I allow certain emotional things to get control of my life, what will happen is that the the cost of those emotional items in my past will raid my personal strength in my present. And all of a sudden I build up some self-confidence, some understanding, some victories in my life and then the memories of those of that past come flooding back in and they raid me of what I've built up. There's this constant taking of what I need and I'm I'm left constantly consistently always impoverished. I got to be honest, I think this is a perfect description of a lot of what I see in culture right now. A lot of folks inside of our American culture right now are are impoverished. They're constantly being beaten down by what they've done in the past, or they're being beaten down by by systems that are holding them down or systems that are stealing from them. They're being beaten down by their their own lack of ability to believe in themselves. There's all kinds of reasons this happens. But in the end, it's the Midianites and the Amalekites raiding and taking what 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 should be what should be enriching you is being taken so that you're left impoverished. Now I want you to notice something in verse six. In verse six, it says that Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me. The Israelites, they ran to caves. They ran to clefts in the mountains. They ran to strongholds. They hid. They did everything they could to survive inside of their brokenness. Watch before they even thought to talk to God. Listen to me. Everybody, hear me. God is your answer. Stop chasing everything else and start chasing Him from the beginning. All too often, we leave God to the last minute, and then at the last minute, we want to reach in and get God into our lives. In the end, we have to understand God is ultimately the answer, and we need to go to him first. Now, verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet, and the prophet said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. They remember when Joshua first brings them into the land. They overtake the land. They drive out everyone and they live in peace and they are in control. It's no longer that way, but they remember a day when it was that way. I drove them out before you, he says, and gave you their land. Verse 10. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You're now worshiping the gods of the people around you, and you are not worshiping the God who delivered you. The angel of the Lord came, verse 11. Watch. Now listen. The prophet stopped speaking in verse 10. In verse 11, something happens. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, that belonged to Joash, the the Abizarite, where his son Gideon, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Why? Because the Midianites won't think to look, at him, look for him in the wine press because it's not that time of year. So he's hiding is what he's doing. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Let's pause. Let's pause. Uh, there, there are three things I want you to pick up from all this. I want you to understand that back in the beginning, when the Israelites are, when it begins to describe how the Israelites are oppressed, before they ask for God's movement, before they cry out to God, I want you to understand when God's voice is absent in our lives... God's blessing is also absent in our lives. Look, you're, you're not going to have God's, God's blessing in your life unless you're hearing God's voice in your life. And the Israelites have decided they don't need the voice of God. They're not asking for it. They are literally in the midst of their own brokenness, with the with the Midianites and the and, and the and the Amalekites, all of them coming at them, stealing everything. They are being they are being robbed by the culture around them, and they refuse to ask God to help them. Think about that. We as a people, I'm just, look, I know, I know some people are going to get mad at me, but you you just got to stay with me. We as a people are being robbed by the culture around us of our ability to care for one another, to walk together with one another, to believe in one another, to love one another, to lift one another up. We are living in such an angry, divided culture that we're being robbed by every day. And rather than ask God to deliver us from that, We're simply living in it, and we're trying to build our own protections to keep ourselves safe inside of it. I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's what God wants us to do. I don't think God is calling us to run up into the mountains and hide under the cleft of a rock. I don't think God's calling us to hide in a cave. I don't think God is calling us to hide in a wine press. I think God is calling us to trust him to actually deliver us, but we have to understand, If we allow the voice of God to remain absent in our lives and in our culture, then the blessing of God will also remain absent. Because where God's voice is absent, God's blessing is also absent. Now watch. When God's presence, watch. They they finally cry out to God. And I think it's interesting what happens. When they cry out to God, God sends them a prophet. He doesn't immediately send them a, a deliverer. He didn't do that first. He sends them a prophet to remind them of how they got here. They got here because they failed to trust and follow the Lord who delivered them the first time. It is our failure to follow and trust God that leads to failure in our lives, not our own weaknesses or our own, our own look, look listen, listen, our own temptations and weaknesses have always been there. When we, when, we, when we make them subservient to the voice and the power of the God of the Bible, then they are overcome. But when we ignore the voice and the power of the God of the Bible, then we are overcome by them. And so the first thing God has to remind the Israelites of is, okay, you want me to deliver you, but remember how you got here. First thing I want you to understand is when God's voice is absent, God's blessing is absent. But the second thing I need you to understand is when God's presence is desired, listen, his commands must be remembered. Let, let me be very honest We got to get back Stay with me Somebody's going to get mad about this We've got to get back to where we were If we're ever going to get to where we're going said, What do you even mean by that? Okay, let, let me give you an illustration uh, When I first went into college I was, I was a music major And as a music major One of the things you've got to constantly work on Is how to breathe Because you can't sing properly I was a vocal major You can't sing properly If you don't have good breath support And one of the things every professor would tell you is watch a baby breathe. And if you go back And watch a baby breathe They breathe normally They breathe the way We're supposed to They breathe in Their bellies pop out Because their diaphragm Is dropped And that pushes Their belly out And then they breathe And then they They don't breathe By their shoulders Going up and down They breathe by Their stomachs Popping in and out Well what happens Is over time We don't like our stomachs To pop in and out And so we start Breathing more shallowly So that won't happen And the more we breathe Shallowly The less we have Breath support And the less you're able To sing The less you're able To sustain By the way this also works in a physical athletic sense. You can't breathe shallow and be athletic. You can't do anything, but we've got to go back. Y'all, when you're born, you know how to breathe. You taught yourself some bad habits along the way. Now you got to go back to the good habit in order to get where you want to go. Same thing spiritually. We've got to go back to the God who got us here in order to make even progress to more than what God had given us last time. But we've got to understand when God's presence is desired, his commands, his commands must be remembered. Finally, when the angel of the Lord came, he did not come to the whole nation. He came to one person. Here's what I want us to remember. When God's deliverance is finally given, it is given through a servant. I know the old pastors, and I agree with this, by the way, I've preached this sermon. But in some ways, I'm an old pastor now. Uh, They used to always say, God's going to deliver you from, or God's going to deliver you through. Let me give a third option. Sometimes God delivers you from by making you the person who will deliver through. God always has a responsibility for us when it comes to our our deliverance. I'm going to be honest with you. Almost none of you are going to kneel down in prayer and ask God to deliver you and then just miraculously, boom, be delivered from whatever it is. God's going to tell you what must happen. He's going to give you a series of commands. He's going to give you a series of directives, and you're going to have to start following them. Our faith in God requires action on our part. And if we're not willing to be Gideon, we won't find deliverance from the Midianites and the Amalekites. If we're not willing to be the vessel through which God delivers, we will fail to find the victory God wants to give us. He always uses a person. He always uses a servant. And in your life, listen to me, that servant is going to be you. And by the way, when he delivers you, He'll use you to deliver others along the way too. Here's what I want us to get for the next few weeks. God means to bring us to victory. Not coping, but victory. And he's going to do it by having us remember that his presence is absolutely necessary. His commands must absolutely be remembered. And as his servant, I must absolutely be willing to do what he tells me to do, to accomplish what he has for me to get done. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us right now. Over the next few weeks, Lord, would you give us the deliverance we desire? Would you give us, Lord, an ability, a willingness, a desire, a hope, Lord, even a passion, to follow you, to surrender to you, and to trust you with everything you want to do in our lives? God, this will not be easy, but it will matter. Thank you. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us. We really hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every day. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. And lastly, we just wanted to give a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that all of this is even possible. If you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, just click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. Thanks for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.